It was not uncommon in ancient days for kings to be armed at all times. It wasn't that they didn't have any security or bodyguards with them, but a smart, savvy king knew that even his closest aides could be bribed. And a savvy king would make sure that he had a weapon close by in case somebody tried to take his life, take the throne. And whenever a king sensed the threat to his power, he would use that weapon to extinguish his rival, whoever that rival was. That's what King Saul was trying to do when he hurled his spear at a young man, known at before then as a shepherd boy. He threw that spear at David, who would eventually be king over Israel. Saul wasn't doing well in those days. He had ruled Israel for years. But he had made a series of mistakes that had caused people to lose confidence in his leadership abilities. Mistakes that caused even the priests and the prophets and the scribes to question if he was still a capable leader or not. And Saul could feel his power slipping through his fingers. David, on the other hand, had participated in many strategic military victories. We probably know the story of David and Goliath. That was one of those victories when he was sent up to the front lines and he took out Goliath. He had other major victories as well, though. And what started to happen is the popularity started to shift from Saul to David. And it wasn't David's doing, but nonetheless, it was happening. Songs were being sung about David and not Saul. And Saul was reeling with emotion, fear, jealousy, rage, and even self-loathing. And one day when he was being especially tormented, his mind and spirit raging out of control, David was there in the courts, which he was most times, playing his harp. And that music would normally soothe Saul, and Saul would call him in to play more music. Well, that's what was happening this one day. And instead of it calming down Saul's spirit, he ended up chucking a, a spear at David while David was trying to soothe him and play this music. Now, if you don't know this story, we find it in the Old Testament in the Bible, uh, 1 Samuel 16 through 20. It's a fascinating story of what's going on with the relationship between Saul and David. Now, on one hand, it's really easy to vilify, vilify Saul because he had failed as a leader. But on the other hand, it's easy to understand his belief that it was his divine right to be on the throne, to defend that throne. Saul, without a doubt, believed that he was right. I like to be right. Don't you? Don't you like to be right? It feels good when we're right. But I have a question for you. In your relationships, to what extent will you go to prove that you're right? 
You know, Gene and I, we've been married almost 35 years now, and over those, those years, we have had many discussions that one might classify as maybe a small argument or two. You know how things work their way into from a discussion, then maybe a heated discussion, then, all right, an argument. Maybe it's something I said or how I said it. Maybe I was sarcastic, but it was taken a different way than what I initially intended. Or maybe Jean's tone of voice had changed. Or her face had changed. If you know Jean for any length of time, she can't hide what she's thinking because it's all over her face. And on and on and on it goes. We could have a lot of different examples. And these arguments rarely end well, do they? Eventually, it really doesn't matter who was right because you really can't remember why the argument started in the first place. <clears throat> but if you do remember, it was normally something silly, something that really didn't matter. You know, I was really trying to come up with a concrete example, but I think God blesses me with, with whenever stuff happens and then everything's fine, and I just kind of forget about it. But I do remember there was recently an argument over a bread on a Jimmy John's sub. Isn't that stupid? That's stupid that we got in an argument over bread and Jimmy John's subs. It's just crazy. But what's more important, to be right or in right relationship? What's more important, to be right or to be in right relationship? Well, it turns out that being right just might be very wrong. Being right just might be very wrong. Say that with me. Being right just might be very wrong. That's a fill-in in your notes. If you're taking notes today, that's a fill-in there. If you don't have notes, there may be some available. We also have digital notes available on the app if you want to take notes that way. You know, we've been studying out of the letter of James for the last few weeks, and James is the brother of Jesus. And we've been studying, James really starts out the letter different than most letters in the New Testament. He starts out and he starts talking about trials in our lives. I mean, he just gets right, right to the heart of the matter. He doesn't waste any time. First of all, he calls himself a slave of Jesus, and then he gets right into talking about trials and different things we have going on in our lives. And so that's what we've been talking about the last few weeks, trials in our lives and how we handle them and how we respond to those trials that we're undergoing. But today, James takes a slight turn. It's still thematic, talking about trials and stuff, but he takes a slight turn, and he gives us a good lesson as we continue in chapter 1, and that's what we're going to read right now. James 1, 19 through 20. I'm reading out of the NIV. You might have a different version if you're firing up your phone or tablet. But here's what it says. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. 
Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I'm sure we've heard this verse before in some context or another, if you've been around church for any length of time. Righteousness. So what does it mean? What does righteousness mean? I'm glad you asked because I looked it up. The root word is right. Am I wrong? No, I'm not. I'm right. Thank you for that kind laughter. I appreciate that. So God desires rightness in our lives. That's what God desires. But, but what does that mean? What does rightness mean? Well, the Bible word means being right in right relationship with God. Being in right relationship with God. And according to Jesus, righteousness isn't about what I do. Righteousness is not about what I do. Many of us equate that as being one and the same, but it's not. In Matthew 5.20, we find this, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, we have hindsight being our 2020, but could you imagine hearing that for the first time in that century with those Pharisees and, and the priests and the prophets and how perfect they were? They did everything right. Now, as a common person, how could I say, what? I got to be better than them? I have to surpass what they do? They live this stuff out, man, every day. How, how can I do that and still get into the kingdom of heaven? Like I made mention, the Pharisees, they were proud legalists. They memorized all the laws of the Bible. They rigorously kept those laws all the way down to tithing on the produce from the herb garden. How, how many people use herbs here? Probably a lot of us. You might not have an herb garden, but you buy herbs at the store. Now, if you were growing an herb garden, how many of us would bring in the tithe here to connect and give it up as an offering? We wouldn't. It's crazy what they were doing, but that's what the Pharisees were doing. As a common person, how could I measure up to that? There must be something different going on here. Jesus said that being good is not the same as being righteous. That's what the heart of the matter was. Being good isn't the same as being righteous. So what is Jesus looking for then? If it's not doing good, what is it? Well, in Mark 12, 29, or 28 and 29, Jesus talks a little bit about this. Jesus was asked of all the commandments, which is the most important? Well, he goes on to answer that question. He says, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your mind and strength. And then the second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So according to Jesus, the law of love is way more important than being right. The law of love is way more important than being right. So think about your interactions with your family and friends right now. When a conversation works into an argument and you knew you were right, do you keep going in with that argument just to prove your rightness? I, I got to raise my hand. I know I've done that before. I'm sure each one of us has fell into that trap that being right is more important than the law of love 
or being in relationship with someone. Jesus would say that if love is lacking in those conversations and in those circumstances, that being right just might be very wrong. Instead of building up relationships, what you're doing is you're breaking relationships apart. So whether you're right or wrong, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's all about the relationship because most of the things that we try to be right about don't really matter at the end of the day anyways. It doesn't matter what bread you get from Jimmy John's, does it? <laughs> it really doesn't. Andy Stanley is a pastor in Atlanta, and he has this to say about this subject. You can, be, you can write yourself right out of a relationship. You can write yourself right out of relationship. Do you know people in your life that they think they're right all the time and they have to be right all the time? Well, if you don't, then that could be you. (laughs) Just saying. And maybe they are right a lot. Maybe they are right a lot, but it's the attitude It's the tone of voice. It's the delivery. It's all of those things. And you know what? You just don't really want to be around them much, do you? That's tough, being around people like that all the time. They write themselves right out of relationship. So let's go back to our verse then in James. James 1.19 is our key verse for the day. It says this, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Say that with me. Indulge me for a moment, right? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We are losing our listening. We spend roughly 60% of our communication time listening, but we're not very good at it. We retain just 25% of what we hear. Now, not you, not this talk, but that is generally true. (laughs) Losing our listening. Why did I say that? Well, there are a lot of reasons for this. First of all, we invented ways of recording. First, writing then audio recording and now video recording as well, the premium on accurate and careful listening has simply disappeared. Secondly, the world is now so noisy with this cacophony going on visually and auditorily, it's just hard to listen. It's tiring to listen. Many people take refuge in headphones, but they turn big public spaces like this, shared soundscapes, into millions of tiny little personal sound bubbles. In this scenario, nobody's listening to anybody. We're becoming impatient. We don't want oratory anymore. We want sound bites. And the art of conversation is being replaced dangerously, I think, by personal broadcasting. I don't know how much listening there is in this conversation, which is sadly very common, especially in the UK. We're becoming desensitized. Our media have to scream at us with these kind of headlines in order to get our attention. And that means it's harder for us to pay attention to the quiet, the subtle, the understated. This is a serious problem that we're losing our listening. This is not trivial. Because listening is our access to understanding. Conscious listening always creates understanding. And only without conscious listening 
can these things happen. A world where we don't listen to each other at all is a very scary place indeed. Wow. That's a scientist saying the same thing that James said over 2,000 years ago. Quick to listen. Quick to listen. Quick to listen. Listen to what the book of Proverbs says. Proverbs 15.31 says this, If you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. The next verse, 15.32, says this, If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. I'm sensing a theme here, aren't you? Proverbs 12, 15 says this, The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. So in order to be known as wise or have a home among the wise, in order to grow in understanding, and in order not to be a fool, we need to listen. That's what it's saying here in Proverbs. Being right just might be very wrong. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now last week we talked about King David, but we talked about David's moral failure that he had with Bathsheba. And that's when he was king, much later than what we're talking about today in David's life. At this point in David's life, he was a wise young man serving in the court of Saul, like I made mention earlier. His best friend was Saul's son, Jonathan. And his first wife was Saul's daughter. But when Saul chased David, chased after him, after he threw that spear at him and didn't kill him, what did David do? What was David's response? Rally the troops around him and go storm the castle? No. What David decided to do, he didn't get angry and he didn't fight back. He left. He fled. He withdrew. And he tried to make peace. That's what David tried to do. And we see that in 1 Samuel 20, verse 1. We see that. Then David went to Jonathan and asked, What have I done? What was my crime? How have I wronged your father that he is trying to kill me? Here's a powerful key in the principle of being quick to listen and slow to speak. When you feel yourself getting angry, number one, ask questions. When you find yourself getting angry, number one, ask some questions. And then number two, stop talking. Ask questions and then shut up. That's what you need to do. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. You know, as I age, I'm not old, but as I age, I think about this more and more with my interactions with people and with relationships, family and friends. And I don't get it right all the time, don't get me wrong. I get it wrong a lot, but I think about this and And it's even becoming more apparent that I need to listen better. I need to ask 
really good questions to understand where the other person's coming from instead of just jumping to assumptions. I'll raise my hand first. I'm an assumption jumper. I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing. I don't know if I keep like a fire jumper, but I'm an assumption jumper a lot of times. I need to be quick to listen. I need to ask questions and then shut up. And I would encourage each one of us to do that because that's what James is encouraging us to do here this morning. Do you know that your words carry a lot of weight? Have you ever thought about that? Your words carry a great deal of weight. Proverbs 18.21 says this, The tongue has the power of life and death. Wow. That's huge. That is huge. One person in my life that has a lot of weight with words is my wife, obviously. When Jean encourages me, man, that's awesome. But when I do something dumb and she corrects me, that crushes me a little bit because I care about what she says and what she thinks. Her words carry a lot of weight in my life. Now, think about the people in your life whose words have given you life or death. Who has the most weight? For many of us, it's, we think of our mothers. Moms, I'm talking to you now. Your words carry a lot of weight in your children's lives. Or maybe for most of us, it could be our fathers. Dads, do you know the weight that your words carry? Parents, your tongue has the power of life and death in your kid's life. But I also want to talk about kids. Now, I don't, we don't have a lot of little kids here, but we're all kids if our parents are still alive, right? Kids... Your words carry weight in your parents' lives as well. So moms, dads, kids, instead of getting angry so quickly, we can do this. We can take advice from James. We can be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Asking questions and then being quiet. You know, one of the things that has cropped up in recent years is social media, right? I mean, I get sick of it too sometimes, man. Everybody's got an opinion out there. You know, back in the day, the only people that really had opinions were the people that you associated with face-to-face. You know why that's healthy? Because you get to interact with one another. I'm gonna interact with Sean a lot differently face-to-face than I am if I'm hiding behind a computer. I feel a little more emboldened. Not that I would do this to Sean, but I mean, just anybody, you feel a little more emboldened. You can just... You know, it used to be 144 characters. I, what, what's Twitter now, 256 or whatever it is? I don't know, whatever it is. You can just say whatever you want and then be done with it. You know, there's a guy at work, and he's a contractor, and, and he's on our telecons when I'm at work. I work a civilian out at the Air Force Base. And it's funny, me and the other civilian I work with, we, we listen for this one guy because eventually in the telecon, he's going to set off an explosion. He's one of those guys that says what everybody else is thinking, but nobody else wants to say. He'll do that. He'll just go, bloop, and then, 
And we laugh at it all the time. We're like, oh, man. I'm not going to say his name. I almost did say his name. I'm like, man, that guy, he does it all the time. And me and my buddy were always laughing. He always says <laughs> what nobody else is saying, which is fine. I mean, don't get me wrong. We need to be honest, have honest communication, and, and not, you know, not make stuff up or, or hide things all the time. I'm, I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying, in social media, it's so easy just to detonate that bomb and walk away. I just think we need to be careful debating that way because proving your point on social media is, is just really easy to do. And a lot of times we don't have all the facts, right? We don't have all the facts. I don't know how you could with all the information that's out there today. So be careful. Be careful with that. More importantly, for this communication I'm talking about in relationships, we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry with one another in our lives. You know, I think of when it's slow to speak. When I think of that, I think of Jesus, because he was slow to speak. He was quick to listen and slow to get angry. Jesus is a great role model for us. Now, there were times when, when he got very angry, But his anger was righteous. That's what we call it, righteous indignation, righteous anger. Why? Because his anger was at sin, was at hypocrisy, was at manipulation. It wasn't personal at the people. It was what was behind that, the sin in their lives. But when it mattered most, when he was arrested, falsely accused and then crucified for you and for me, Jesus didn't speak very much. He didn't defend himself. He didn't fight back because he had a mission. We understand that. We know why he did what he did. He could have, but he didn't because he was on a mission. It was the mission of helping people reconnect to God. We have a sign that says that right there in the back of this auditorium right there. That's our mission statement, helping people reconnect to God. That's what Jesus was all about. So in a moment, I'm going to ask Jesus to help us out a little bit more. To focus on him and his mission and not insisting on our own rights all the time. There's something that we started a couple weeks ago that I'm going to do right now. I'm going to ask you to grab your connection cards. And if you're a family and you just have one, that's fine. If you need more connection cards, they're in the back. Gene has a bunch back there. But we've done this the last few times as we've gone through the connection cards. On the back of them has some action steps for us to consider, to think about. And this It's for me to think about as well as I go through my week. I really love these. The first one, number one, is I'm going to memorize James 1.19. We have it on the screen once again. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. If that's you, if you need that, then then mark that. If you need to remember that as you go through your week, then that's the box that you're going to check. You know, memorizing the Bible helps us in so many ways. First of all, memorizing the Bible helps us change our behavior. Have you ever thought of that? What? Memorizing? I thought it was just so you knew what the Bible said. Yeah, exactly. So it can change my behavior because memorizing the Bible changes how I think first. It changes how I 
think because now I have God's wisdom that I'm memorizing. It's in my head. It's in my heart. It's in my spirit. And what's that going to do over time? That's going to have me change my behavior. And so memorizing the Bible helps. So memorize James 119 this week. Number two, I'm going to practice asking good questions before I express my opinion. I think that's really good. Asking questions, finding out information, information gathering. That's what we need to be about before we express our opinion. How are you going to understand where the other person is coming from unless you ask really good questions? You can ask snarky questions. I don't think that's going to do it. Asking good questions to try to understand people, that's important. Number three, I'm going to work on listening better. Yeah, I'm going to check that one. That, that's, that's Bob's check right there. Boom. I'm going to work on listening better. And then finally, number four, we have this the same one every week. I want to begin following Jesus. That's why we exist. That's why we come together on Sundays. We celebrate for us that are in relationship with Jesus. We celebrate what God's done in our lives over the past week. And we come together and we, we worship and we pray and we learn. But maybe for you today, this is, this is it. You have not asked Jesus into your, Or maybe your life has gone off the rails and you need a reconnection. Today's that day as well. It could be for you. So I'm going to give us a couple minutes. Think about this. The band's going to come forward. They're going to start playing here. And then we're going to move into our, our next time after our teaching time here. So just take a, take a couple seconds and think about that. Pray about it. And then if you're taking notes, we have the same blocks on your notes so that you can take that home and pray about it throughout the week. What next steps am I going to take in my life this week? And when you're done with that, you can put your things aside just for a moment. I'd like to pray with us. So pray with me. Father God, we just thank you so much for this time that we have set aside to come together. Come together as a family of believers, Lord. Come together and to worship you and to spend some time listening to your word and, and just being a part of the family. I just thank you so much for this time. But Lord, I know that there may be somebody in here that maybe needs to say that prayer of salvation. So, so I'm going to pray that prayer. And if that's you, you just you pray with me as I'm praying. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus to be um, the sacrifice for my sins. God, I believe that I'm a sinner. I know that I've missed the mark a bunch of times. But God, I realize now that, that Jesus is the only way for those sins to be forgiven. And so, Jesus, I just say thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. I believe it. I'm asking you into my heart right now so that those sins would be taken away. And I'd be made new again, made whole again. And that, Father God, you would not hold those sins against me any longer. But Jesus is the mediator now between me and you. He bridged the gap so I can have right relationship with you. So I ask for that right now in Jesus' name. And for the rest of us, I continue to pray, God, help us listen better. Help us ask good questions. God, 
help temper our anger and frustration. Because the only thing that does is rip relationships apart. But when we focus on love and understanding, that is what unites us together in our relationships. So I, I want you to do that for me, and I pray that for each one of us here today, that you would do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.